Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We'll be right back with today's guest, but first, let's give a shout out to our partners, the Florida Coaches Coalition, Vital Signs Wall of Fame, We Coach, and the Global Community of Women in High School Sports. You've heard me say many times, these are four great organizations. You should really add them to your network. And now, don't hit that fast forward button. Don't do it. Stay with us for the next three minutes as we give our sponsors their shout out. These are all great companies that I used as an athletic director or as a coach. You should be using them too. Here we go. We want to say thanks to Gipper for their support of the Educational AD Podcast. Gipper is the official social media graphic solution for us. And if you go to Gipper.com, their team is going to help you create world-class marketing content for your school's social media channel in seconds. It's so easy. Even I can do it. Your kids are on social media. And if you're not, you're really missing out on a great opportunity to celebrate your team's promote your athletes. Gipper's trusted by over 3,000 high school and college programs. It's professional graphic design made simple. Go to gipper.com to get started today. We also want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing. It's digital ticketing that offers more. Hometown's the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. And if you go to hometownticketing.com, their team is not only going to show you up or show you how to set up and sell online tickets. They're also going to assign you a dedicated client success manager to provide hands-on support. That's every step of the way. Go to hometownticketing.com to get started. We also want to thank Vital Signs Wall of Fame. If you're looking for a really cool way to display your school record boards for all the sports, for all the events, or your school's Hall of Fame, Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Check out their great products. You know, they're on a mission to help you bring your school's legacy to life. That's vitalsignswalloffame.com. We also want to say thank you to Home Campus. Home Campus is the exclusive high school and state association management platform for us. It's also your one-stop platform for things like schedules, um, association hardware, student-athlete clearance and eligibility, and a whole lot more. As an athletic director, I used home campus every single day, and it was just great. To find out more about how home campus can help you in your program, all you have to do is go to homecampus.com. That's homecampus.com. We want to thank Sideline Interactive for their support. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and schedule a live web demo and see their scoreboards and their score tables in action. Probably one of the best purchases I ever made was our Sideline Interactive indoor score table. I think you'll feel the same way. Go to sidelineinteractive.com. Check out their great products today. We also want to say thank you to Huddle. Go to huddle.com and change the way you see the game. As a high school football coach, I used Huddle for years, and it was just fantastic. But when I became an athletic director, I made sure our school was a huddle school. And our coaches just loved the tools that huddle provided that allowed them to coach our kids up to their highest level. At huddle, we believe in sports and teams believe in huddle. Join the 8 million users and find out how to turn your school into a huddle school. We also want to say thanks to Snap Mobile. 
go to snapraise.com. That's the website, snapraise.com. Check out their entire suite of platforms designed to help you do your job better. If you're looking for a fundraising platform, stop right there. Snapraise is hands down the best one available. But there's a lot more. You've got Snap Connect, Snap Store, Snap Manage. Go to snapraise.com. Check out the entire suite. That's snapraise.com. And we want to say thanks to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Go to athleticsurveys.com, and they're going to show you how they can create a custom survey that will allow you to take the pulse of your parents and your student-athletes. ADs already hear back from the complainers, the 2% that want to gripe about everything. Athletic Surveys connects you with the 2%, but they also connect you with the 98% that supports your program. That's a tremendously valuable tool to have when you're talking with frustrated parent, your principal, or your school board. Go to athleticsurveys.com. Talk to them today. That's athleticsurveys.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We're going to be visiting today with Amy Lonegro. She is a certified athletic administrator. She's the director of athletics at Warren Township High School. That's in Gurney, Illinois. Uh, Amy came highly recommended by uh, one of our podcast friends. So we're excited to hear about uh, things that are going on at her school. So, Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Well, as you and I talked, it's uh, the start of another school year. It's crazy time for ADs, coaches, and kids, so let's go and jump right in. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So give us that quick bio, where you were born, where you grew up. Maybe take us through your own high school and college days, and then we'll take our first break and hear more about your early career. But what's the Amy Lonegro origin story? All right. Amy Lonegro grew up in Oak Lawn, Illinois, uh, attended Richards High School in Oak Lawn, where I was a three-sport athlete there, played volleyball, basketball, and softball, and then took my softball career to Indiana University, um, played softball there for four years, and had a great experience, um, and then got a job not in education, and then had to uh, start over and, and rewind and, and figure out how I was going to get to be a coach, so... Well, what I, I'm going to, I'm going to run through that door since you opened it, you know, what was your undergrad prep uh, that did not include, you know, uh, the teaching and coaching pedagogy? So I was a health education consultant and I had gotten a, um, an internship at Northwestern Memorial Hospital. So I spent about a year there and ran into uh, our former principal at Richards High School and he asked me if I'd be interested in coaching. Uh, and so I took that on and within a couple of weeks, absolutely loved it and was like, man, how am I going to go back and figure out how to do this much better than being in a cubicle, uh, working on statistics and figuring out health bios for doctors and things like that. So, and, and again, that's a very, um, I, I think common story, uh, you know, people, they either uh, love teaching or that it's just not for them. And, you know, whether you plan to do it, you know, I, I pretty much knew I was going to be a coach. And if I was going to be a coach, I had to teach too uh, and love teaching. But uh, uh, others came to it later and just go, wow, this is the greatest thing in the world. Let's talk about uh, softball. Uh, the last 
I'll say few years, uh, college softball has just really exploded, you know, uh, women's college world series. What's your recollection of when you were playing? You're a lot younger than I am. So, uh, you know, what was uh, the softball world like back then? I can see your uh, Indiana University uh, banner in the background. Uh, you know, what was it like when you were playing college softball? I mean, it was the, probably the best experience of my life. I really enjoyed it. Um, we were very lucky and fortunate to have the opportunities that we did. Uh, so I got to live through that. We had, you know, even though I'm older, um, we still had all of the perks, probably not as many as they have now. But the Big Ten was actually just starting. We didn't have, all the teams didn't have softball. Um, so in my playing days, I think those last couple of years is when Purdue just started to get a team, Penn State just started to get a team. And obviously now you're seeing the expansion of the Big Ten and, you know, there's probably not a university around that doesn't have a softball program. So um, it was kind of cool to see those now looking back to be able to be a part of those programs uh, joining the Big Ten and, and the sport, you know, becoming a little bit more popular and, and getting access to those opportunities. So. Yeah. And again, it's, it's great to see it take off uh, um, the way it has. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. We'll do this a couple times during the interview. Um, Amy's game back in the day, you know, what was your position, okay? And then if you were uh, a college sophomore or, or junior today, you think your game would still stack up? Would, uh, uh, you know, teams still be looking for you? We just were talking about this because uh, I'm not a huge human being. So, you know, when you watch the game now, girls are bigger, stronger, faster. Um, so I would like to think I would still have a role uh, in a program today. Um, so did you say what would be my advice to them or would I still be able to hold strong? And I was the starting uh, shortstop at IU as a freshman. Uh, so that was a really cool opportunity. And, you know, now would I be able to do that? I don't know. That would be. That would be interesting to find out. I would go back yesterday to figure out if I would stack up, but. Um, well, I mean, shortstop, obviously that's going to be, you know, one of the top players, you know, on the team, you know, you got to be strong up the middle. Um, how were you, uh, how were you at the plate? You know, what was your, uh, did, could you hit or were you that defensive uh, player? I definitely could hold my own. I was a lead off for a couple of years there. And then our coach uh, put together a little strategy uh, where I was hitting three um, and our best hitters were in the top of the lineup so that when they got intentionally walked, then it came, came my way. So that was an interesting perspective, which was a lot of fun. Um, so I could hit, I was in the record books for a little while, but then they all got better. Right. So now they're all going away. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, I know how you feel. I was a track guy. And, uh, the last time I checked, uh, I'm, I'm hanging on to, I think number nine, uh, for the 400 hurdles uh, for the all time. So, you know, these young kids, they just keep coming up. They keep knocking us down. Okay. For our listeners, uh, we're visiting today with Amy Lonegro. She is a certified athletic administrator and she's the director of athletics at Warren Township High School. And that's in Gurney, Illinois. Let's go and take our first break, but we're coming back with some more. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to Gipper for their support of the podcast. Gipper's the official social media graphic solution for us. And if you go to Gipper.com, their team is going to help you create world-class marketing content for your school's social media channel in seconds on just about any device. And it's so easy, even I can do it. 
Your students today are on social media. And if you're not, you're really missing out on a great opportunity to promote your team, celebrate your athletes' accomplishments, and build your brand. Gippers used and trusted by over 3,000 college and high school athletic programs. It's professional design made simple. Go to gipper.com for more information. That's gipper.com. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Amy, um, you kind of took us up through your uh, college years, and uh, I can't remember if we were on uh, camera or not when you talked about your first job, but go and take our listeners through that again and, and talk about the path that led you into education and ultimately to becoming an athletic director. So I actually got a job coaching before I got a job teaching. Um, when I got my job coaching, I went to the same district uh, that I went to high school in. So I was able to work within that district at a different school. Uh, so I started at Eisenhower High School in Blue Island, and they were nice enough to allow me not only to coach, um, but I started to go back and get my teaching degree. Uh, and they allowed me to be a Title I uh, aide. So I worked within the school during the day but I was also able to get some work done, take my classes and work on that teaching certification. So, uh, and then I student taught there. So I was there for three years uh, as the head softball coach, did a little bit of freshman basketball. Uh, and then I got a job at, when I got my teaching degree, they didn't have any full-time teaching positions open there. Uh, so I went over to the Lincoln Way School District and I got that head coaching job for softball as well. And the job that was open uh, at that time was a permanent sub job. I started, I think I started after Labor Day. So I started a little bit late in the school year um, and I was able to get into that district. And so um, it, it is a little bit of a crazy story. So Lincoln Way East was where I started and they did not have any seniors. So they had just passed a referendum um, to expand the school to a four-year school. So their district prior to that was two schools, freshman, sophomore campus, junior, senior campus. Um, so when I started there, we had no seniors. So I had the team of all freshmen, sophomore, and juniors. Uh, and lo and behold, we won a state championship. And so I got hired then the next year as the activities director. So uh, I went through all that teaching stuff, got a teaching certification, and wasn't teaching for six years there. So it was an interesting start. Um, Wow. Uh, coming right out of the gate with a state championship, uh, you know, that, that's how was that, uh, you know, hey, this is pretty easy. We're going to do this every year or, uh, you know, what was going through your mind? Well, you know, when you look back, the journey wasn't that fantastic. You know, you're a new coach. Uh, you start out and uh, they had some not the greatest experience with head coaches in the past. So that's kind of what opened the door for me to come in. So. Uh, the kids were buying in, which was nice, but the transition of, you know, I'm a first baseman, oh, you're going to play center field, those conversations with parents were tough. So our journey wasn't the greatest. Our season, I think, I mean, we were maybe like 15 and 13 uh, going into the state tournament. So um, it wasn't like we were expected to do much. I think it was a great group of girls that just believed and, um, you know, followed the process, I think. And so that was really cool for us. And so when we got down there, there was nothing to lose. And, um, you know, we just wrote it out and everybody played and, you know, everybody was just loving every moment of the experience and not necessarily thinking in a million years that we were going to win a state championship. So everything was, every win was an added bonus. 
Yeah. Um, this is a topic that, you know, we we've talked about, uh, you know, many times, you know, winning a state championship, even getting to, you know, let's say the final four, uh, so many schools and coaches never get that experience. So looking back now, what were some things that you think you did that were crucial in allowing that state championship to happen. You, you mentioned there's a lot of different factors involved, but, you know, with the, the years of perspective, uh, you know, what's something, maybe one or two things that stick out for you as kind of key, key moments or, or key things that you did. I think one of the keys was being okay, losing throughout the year and, and trying different combinations. A lot of kids got to play. A lot of kids got to play in different spots. I think that allowed them to see, other people's spots were a little more harder and challenging. So I think that helped them mesh and understand where each other were and how hard each position might be uh, and then be okay with, you know, being put where they were. Uh, I think just believing in them, I think they thought I was crazy. So I was talking to them all year, like we were going to win a state championship. And at that time, I think Bloomington Normal had a pitcher that I don't know if she had an ERA. I mean, she was unbelievable. I think she went on to play at Iowa. Um, so you know, they would look at me like I had six heads when I would, you know, tell them we got this, you know, this next win, this team's beatable, you know, we're going in. So uh, I think the belief just in the process for a coach and I think the support of the parents over time really helped. You know, when you go home and you're not hearing anything negative, it's easier for kids to buy in. Um, so they and I think it probably helped that their experience before me was miserable with the coach before they got removed. So to be quite honest, they were probably happy uh, initially that they just had somebody probably closer to their age at that time um, to to be their coach and just play the game. You know, we just focused a lot on fundamentals and they had they had no seniors. So we didn't have any, you know, we had no big dogs. Everybody was kind of just even talent wise. Yeah. And again, there's just so many different factors that go into that state championship season. I remember. Um, a football coach in Oregon where I spent mo the first half of my career, you know, he had always been in the playoffs year after year after year. And then finally they won. And I asked him after the season, I said, what was the difference this year? And he said, this team was probably our least talented team of all the teams that we had, but this was our luckiest season. You know, and he talked about a couple of times where they had a lead and, a kid threw an interception, a pick six that would, they lost the game, but they're doing a penalty on the other team. Just things like that. He just said it was the luckiest we've ever been. Uh, and uh, so again, there's a lot of different things that go into it. Obviously great coaching too. <laughs> For our listeners. Uh, once again, our guest today is Amy Lonegro, certified athletic administrator and the director of athletics at Warren Township High School. And that's in Gurney, Illinois. Let's go and take another quick break, but we're coming back with more. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing for their support of the podcast. Hometown is the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and to colleges. And if you go to hometownticketing.com, their team is going to show you how to set up and sell tickets online, not just for athletic events, but things like school plays, concerts, school dances, even graduation. And here's the best part. Every school is assigned a dedicated client success manager to provide hands-on support every step of the way. That's every step of the way. 
Hometown is digital ticketing that offers more. More support, more security, and more customization. Go to hometownticketing.com. Check out all the ways that they can help you. We also want to thank Vital Signs Wall of Fame. Go to their website, vitalsignswalloffame.com, and check out their interactive touchscreen video consoles. They're great ways to display your school record boards for all the teams, for all the sports, or your school's Hall of Fame, or just to tell your school's unique story, uh, celebrate your diverse history, and your proudest moments. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Mention the podcast, you'll get a nice discount. That's vitalsignswalloffame.com. Welcome back to the Educational AD Podcast. Once again, our guest is Amy Lonegro, Certified Athletic Administrator from Illinois. Amy, we get a lot of young and brand new athletic directors that listen to the podcast, and I think it's important for them to hear about the journey that we all take uh, with our state association and with the NIAAA. So can you share a little bit about how did you first hear about your state association? And then let's talk a little bit about that uh, CAA. That doesn't happen by accident. So I uh, worked under an athletic director at Lincoln Way East that was really um, my mentor. Uh, I tried to involve myself in everything I could around him. And I remember him saying specifically um, that you have to be a member of your professional organizations. Like, don't ever let that be something that slips away. Um, so I took that to heart. I took everything he said to heart and really tried to follow that. And so I was always interested in doing that. But in the positions that I was in, I didn't always have that opportunity. So as an assistant, you know, not all districts cover the assistant to go to those things. Um, or, you know, so I did as much as I could with what I was allowed to do uh, within the districts and the time that I was allowed to leave or the, the budget I had for professional development. Um, but when I became when I came up north to Warren, they were extremely supportive of professional development. So even as an assistant athletic director, I had the opportunity to really um, dive in and get myself involved. So um, I became right away a member of the uh, IADA and NIAAA. Uh, and then, you know, education is important to me, obviously, and just the networking with other athletic directors. I mean, there's so many quality athletic directors around that you can learn from. Uh, I'm a big member of the uh, case study, which is copy and steal everything. So as much as I can take in of what others are doing, I, I like to do that. And so I knew taking those classes would really help me just be better for our coaches and for our staff. And that just was important to me. So I've always just tried to find the time to do that. Um, and obviously I got my CAA um, and accomplished that. So I was happy with that. Our principal uh, principals were very supportive of that and, and happy I did that as well. So um, of course, then I just jumped into trying to get the CMAA. A little harder to do until you're an AD. So last year was my, you know, you got to do everything separate, you know, and build off of that. So last year was my first year as an athletic director. Um, and so I just kept trying to keep up and do some more of these type of things where I'm taking a little bit more of the helm of, uh, you know, writing articles or doing podcasts or speaking at conferences. So um, this past year, I taught a class uh, with a colleague of mine uh, from up here, and then I also just uh, at the NIAAA convention was a mediator, so started small uh, and just did that part. So just trying to chip away at that CMAA, and now I'm pretty much ready to almost submit my project for that. So um, getting there. 
right. Well, that, that's great to hear. And you, you brought up a couple of points. You know, one, those experiential points, if you will, on the uh, data form that you have to submit for a CAA or a, a CMAA. There's a lot of different ways to earn those points. And you talked about speaking and writing articles and moderating. There's a ton of, let's say, hidden points that some athletic directors, they forget that they do that will count toward that point total. So, uh, you know, if you have challenges talking to listeners, every single state has a state coordinator for certification. Go to your website, find out who that is. And if you just can't find it, feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, I was our state coordinator in Florida for years and uh, was also on the national uh, certification committee. Amy also talked about the project. So since again, you're, you're opening doors for me today and I'm climbing right through. What are you thinking about as a project for your CMAA? Uh, so I started thinking when I first got the, when I first started this, I said, I'm going to do a mentoring project. That was what I was all gung ho about. Uh, and then when you get into the job, you realize like there are some other things that probably you're doing or that are important for the school that maybe might be a little easier to tackle first or, or more important. Um, so right now I have, uh, I'm in the midst of a, of a mentoring and just, um, School recognition, I think, is the direction I'm headed. We did a lot of work last year uh, in recognizing our student athletes and also just recognizing the commitment that our coaches make to our student athletes uh, and the sacrifices that they make with their own families and their own time to do that. So that became really important to me in trying to build a rapport with them my first year and getting to know them and, and learn um, and working with our student athlete leadership team allowed me to see like what the kids wanted. Uh, and so I shifted from mentoring because I think as athletic directors, we're doing that every day. I mean, that's that's what we're doing just, um, I think, subconsciously, right? So I think my shift has now moved to the things that we've established at Warren Township High School uh, to recognize student athletes and coaches uh, has been my shift in my project and, and what that's done for our school and community. And once again, you uh, went right where I was hoping you were going to go. Uh, the best CMA project is something that is important to you. And again, I'm talking to our listeners because Amy's already figured that out. I guarantee you that you're already doing something at your school. It might be something with coaches. It might be something with kids or parents or facilities. You're already doing something that would make a great CMA project. Now you just have to put your outline together and ultimately share that story with um, the certification committee. You can share it the old school way with the written project, which is what I did. But uh, if the oral presentation option would have been available when I did my CMAA, I would have been all over that. Because it's, again, in my opinion, it's just so easy to do. You're telling your story through some slides, let's say, you know, 15 to 18 slides, takes about 30 to 35 minutes. And you're talking about something that's important to you, something you're passionate about. So again, if you have questions, reach out to your certification coordinator in your state, or again, uh, feel free to shoot me an email. I'll be more than happy to talk you through that project. So uh, um, let's see, I guess uh, we're going to take another break, Amy. Uh, and for our listeners, uh, we're visiting again with Amy Lonegro. She's a certified athletic administrator from Illinois. Let's go and take that break. I'll stop talking. And uh, when we come back, we're going to hear more from uh, our guest, Amy Lonegro. Please stay with us.
we want to thank the good folks at uh, Home Campus for their support of the podcast. Home Campus is the exclusive high school and state association management platform for us. It's also your one-stop platform for things like scheduling, uh, student-athlete eligibility and clearance, uh, coach management, and a whole lot more. As an athletic director, I used Home Campus every single day, and it was just great. And the Home Campus team was great to work with, too. For more information on how you can get started with Home Campus, all you have to do is go to homecampus.com. That's homecampus.com. We also want to say thank you to Sideline Interactive, indoor score tables and video boards. Go to sidelineinteractive.com. Check out their great products. Schedule a live web demo and see their scoreboards and their score tables in action. Probably one of the best purchases I ever made was a Sideline Interactive indoor score table. Of course, we used it for home games, but we also used it for pep rallies, for signing ceremonies. It's tremendously versatile, and their customer service is just fantastic. Go to sidelineinteractive.com. Check out their great products today. That's sidelineinteractive.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Amy, one of the things that we try to do with the podcast is this idea of sharing best practices. So once again, I'm going to put you on the spot. What are some things that you do at Warren Township that you're particularly proud of that when you step back, you can say, we really do a great job with this. Uh, any best practices you can share? Absolutely. Uh, really proud of all, all the things we do. Uh, obviously, I'm going to hold hold tightly to the things that we've done in the last uh, year specifically that I'm really proud of just because I was uh, part of incorporating it. So that helps in me just being more knowledgeable about it. But we have very successful athletic programs here and we have a great veteran staff, um, which I'm very lucky. We don't have a ton of turnover. Um, so it's important for me to keep those people in place. Um, with the turnover that we've had, uh, what I one of the things I incorporated was a, uh, we called it the brain trust. So it's our head coach's brain trust. And um, I did that this summer for the first time. We brought in all of our head coaches uh, on a day over the summer. And we just talked about, well, one, just the policy. So many policies and procedures have changed over the course of time. And so when I came in as a new person, I assumed everybody knew more than me. And what I realized is that over time, there had been three or four administrators doing things a little bit differently. Um, so we all just got on the same page. So in listening to their concerns last year, um, we kind of incorporated that brain trust where we had an opportunity to be in a room together for three hours and talk about all the policies and procedures, but then also um, use their knowledge and wisdom and how can we change things at Warren Township to be better moving forward. So whether uh, we talked a lot about just our registration process, we talked about our awards nights. How can those be better? Um, are we moving away from patches? You know, those are things that we had letterman's jackets. We walk around now. I don't see very many letterman's jackets. So just having those conversations about where can we create positive change that's not going to move someone's cheese and upset them, um, but have things for our kids now that if there's a shift, let's move it so they're having a better experience in our building. Um, so brain trust was one of them. Um, we changed our, <clears throat> we didn't have any way that we recognized student athletes that were state qualifiers. Uh, so we created a parade route within our school. 
uh, created a meeting point after that where our administrators could talk to our kids and uh, encourage them and just kind of let them know that even though we can't all be there, you know, obviously I'm at their events, but there's a lot of people that would be there to support them and having the conversation with them. Um, and we give them like a little memento that they can take with them um, and go to their state tournament and know that we're all rooting for them. And so we've invited parents into that to film uh, our scratch paper, which is our, our student publication. Uh, they have filmed that and turned that into videos for the announcements for kids. And so just getting the recognition out there, sometimes our teachers and kids don't even realize we have people going to state or even know what that means uh, and how unique it is and how lucky and rare it is to get downstate. And I think we lost sight of that at Warren because we get there a lot in a lot of things. And we just always assume that everybody understands what we understand within our department. So just getting our department more out there in the community um, and making our kids understand how lucky they truly are and how lucky we are to have them in our building. So those are two big things that we kind of started last year. Uh, and again, I think the common theme is you're getting uh, the people of your program involved. You're getting those coaches involved, you know, with the brain trust, you're getting the students involved, uh, not just student athletes, but, you know, the entire school. Um, I remember those send-offs and uh, again, it's that, uh, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. You know, you have the big send off for the for the soccer team that's going to state and, you know, 24 girls and coaches and everything. You better be doing that send off for the girls golf team that might only have, you know, two girls that qualified. But, hey, they're still going to state and uh, <laughs> you got to make sure you get a, all those sports covered. Uh, let's talk about the the lettering uh, policy, because. Uh, again, a hundred years ago when I was in high school, I mean, that letter jacket, that was a big deal. Uh, and some schools it still is, but, um, in Florida where I spent the last 20 years of my career, um, you would not see the letterman jacket that often just because of the, the temperature. Um, and so we ended up going, uh, the last few years, uh, we talked to our student athletes first, uh, but we went with a a lighter, um, I don't want to say a windbreaker, but uh, it was a lighter material, still had the chenille letter, still had all the doodads on the sleeves, but uh, it was actually a little less expensive than the um, imitation leather sleeves. Uh, and it, it seemed to generate some uh, interest or buzz. What do you folks do with uh, letter jackets and that sort of thing at your school? So right now we're still very traditional. Um, we do the, the numerals when they're freshmen at the end of a participation year. Uh, and then if they're on a varsity sport, we do that big Warren W. And then as the sophomore JV level, we have a shield uh, that we give them. And then when they're state qualifiers or they you know place at state, we'll get them a state-shaped chenille letter that has that, whatever they accomplished on there. So what we're finding though is that whether the kids aren't coming at the end of the banquet or they're like, what is this? You know, some of them are like, what is this? They don't even know why they're getting that uh, or what it's for. And then the other piece of it is just like possibly not, not caring that they don't get it if they don't go to that end of the year banquet. Um, and so that's just concerning because they're, they're not cheap. Right. So we want to find something that they're going to be proud of. You know, at the end of the year, I want them to get something that they're going to put on their backpack or they're going to carry around and, and be proud of that accomplishment in, you know, surviving one year of uh, high school athletics. So just kind yeah, of having those conversations, those initial conversations with coaches. 
and players. Now, let me ask you, uh, back when you were in high school, did your school do letter jackets? Did you have yours? Obviously, you know, you're a three-sport athlete. Was that a big deal when you were in high school? It was a huge deal. I mean, we absolutely adored it. And, you know, we had chevrons. If you were on varsity for multiple years and, you know, we uh, we wore that thing everywhere. I have mine still. And it's got like, it's discolored yeah. now. But when we have retro days here, I wear that thing. And they're like, what is that? Uh, so it, it is, it was very fun. And I want them to have that same experience. It's just not, you know, I think the parents, I mean, obviously that are my age, want that letter for them. You know, so we have to find a way to maybe kind of, wean it off maybe or still provide the letter for those that want it but maybe find something else that's a little bit more uh matching the millennium of something that the kids would would enjoy yeah i, I know exactly what you mean and, and that was one of the reasons we went to that you know alternative look you know the kids still bought their jackets but we had it arranged through the local and the state uh vendor that that did letter jackets uh Here's uh here's something uh, uh free free tip for you and all the listeners. Um, you know, you talk about records and school records. I stumbled upon this. I can't remember where I heard it. Certainly, I didn't invent it. Some uh, it's too good of an idea. But when a kid would break or or set, you know, a, a new school record at our school, uh, and we had swimming, you know, track, you know, touchdowns, whatever it was, um. We would, I, I had already done this. I had gone to a, uh, like a thrift store and bought uh, a bunch of uh, old record albums. Okay. I, I think you're not that young. You might remember what an album is like. Um, and I uh, had a printing program um, where I'd get these, uh, these uh, CD labels and just created uh, our school logo, the kid's name what the new record was, the date, school colors and everything. It really was cool. And we printed those off. I mean, the records, they were like 99 cents because they were all beat up. Um, and the labels were next to nothing. Uh, we would present those at our awards programs uh, to the record holders. And after a while, uh, the word got out. The kids knew what they were. But the first year we did it, you know, the parents, they're just going crazy. Oh, that's so cool. And the kids are going, what the heck is this? Uh, but school records uh it's just something stupid but it just really really took off for our school so there's a free uh, awards tip well, two things i liked about that one is that you're you don't seem that not that old that was a good way to phrase that uh, but no i love the idea i actually wrote it down so thank you for that okay. well uh, again we're, we're here to share best practices i don't know if that's one but uh let's go and take a break once again our guest today is amy Lana Groh, Certified Athletic Administrator. She's the Director of Athletics at Warren Township High School, and that's in Gurney, Illinois. Let's take that break, but we're coming back. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to thank Huddle for their support of the podcast. Go to huddle.com and change the way you see the game. As a football coach, I used Huddle for years, and it was just fantastic. But when I became an athletic director, I made sure that our school was a huddle school and our coaches just loved the tools that huddle provided that allowed them to coach our kids up to their highest level. Go to huddle.com and see why we believe in sports and teams believe in huddle. Join the 8 million users and turn your school into a huddle school. We also want to say thanks to Snap Mobile. Go to snapraise.com, check out their entire suite of platforms designed to help you 
do your job better. If you're looking for a fundraising platform, stop right here. SnapRaise is hands down the best one available. They even have a program where they will give you your funding before you actually start your fundraiser. Nobody else does that. But there's so much more. You've got Snap Manage, Snap Connect, Snap Store. You can find them all at snapraise.com. That's snapraise.com. Jake, we use both of those platforms, and I'm not sure uh, if our coaches could live without Huddle or Snap at this point. So we've had a lot of success in, in both of those and what we're able to do for our kids and, and for our programs. Well, th thanks so much for saying that. Uh, you know, as a football coach, obviously, I knew huddle forwards, backwards, and sideways. But as an AD, I was concerned how it would transfer to the other sports. And you're right. Our coaches just loved it. Uh, we've got the cameras in the gym, out on the field. They can program them. Uh, it's, it's just fantastic. And I know Snap offers a lot. Uh, we use Snap Raise as a fundraiser. And our coaches, our parents just loved it. And it, it works. Uh, what parts of the Snap platform did uh, do you all use? We do the fundraising as well. So it's nice for me to be able to see on the back end, like coaches that are wanting to start a fundraiser, who who's going at the same time, um, you know, what their goals are and kind of where they're at. And then I know how much they have to spend and, you know, what we can do within those facilities. So uh, all of those are super helpful and huddle, not having to set films for them or loan out cameras or having them have access on their phone is just invaluable. Yeah, I mean, you know, two just great, great platforms. Thanks for sharing that. Okay, I'm going to let our sponsors know. Okay. Um, one of our longstanding talking points has to do with this idea of coaching toughness. Now, a long time ago, a long time ago, when I was in high school, uh, our coaches would say things like, come on, guys, you got to be tough or come on, you got to suck it up. And I think we understood what they meant and we did it. In the many years since I was in high school, you know, we have learned much better ways uh, to communicate and coach with our kids, but I still feel that toughness is an important component uh, for sports and for life. So here's my question for you. How can a coach or an athletic director help a Generation Z kid to develop toughness while also being uh, sensitive to and aware of the very real social emotional challenges that a Generation Z kid experiences that I never had to go through, you know, back in the 70s. Uh, do you have any advice for us? I can try. Um, so I think toughness has changed a lot in, in what, how we were coached and what that toughness meant. Uh, I think you can still provide experiences for kids that allow them to get tougher in life uh, mentally by well, as an athletic director is supporting your coaches and letting them understand your mission statement and your core values and that you're going to support um, them teaching life lessons. And I think that's the most important part of toughness. It's not necessarily running through brick walls or, you know, knocking people into oblivion, um, but being tough enough to show up on time every day, to be tough enough to give a hundred percent in every drill um, and to hold them accountable. And so I think as coaches, uh, I think they need our support is that from athletic directors in supporting them to make those difficult decisions of holding kids accountable in teaching those life lessons. And I think that comes beyond necessarily the fundamental things you're doing in practice, because if your expectation is that they're on time for picture day versus practices versus team meetings, 
I think that builds a toughness and it also teaches them about time management and it's not always easy to do those things. So that builds a certain kind of toughness. Um, and I think pushing them to their limits, uh, I think part of that for coaches that's hard is you really have to build a rapport with kids in order to get that out of them. And I also think you have to be transparent with parents about why you're doing what you're doing and allow the parents to see, hey, I'm doing this, you know, X, Y, and Z because I'm going to get the most out of this kid and push them to a limit that they didn't think they could reach. Uh, and then that builds that kid's confidence. If they know they can do that, once they do it once, twice, three times, that's building their confidence to do bigger and better things, not only in sport, uh, but in the classroom, you know, in work, in life, and, and all those elements. So I don't necessarily see toughness as that, like, literal meaning of, you know, being able to beat somebody up, but toughness in just your mentality and what you can get through and, and the expectation for you as a teammate uh, and somebody, just somebody on the team. Yeah, boy, you really hit on uh, a lot of key topics. You know, uh, the first one, you know, defining this is what we mean by toughness and whether it's, you know, the mental toughness, the physical toughness, you know, kids today, there's that expression, kids today, uh, it, they they want to know, and it, it's our job as coaches and ADs to explain to them. Um, and you also touched on another great point about the relationship that you build with them that allows you to be tough and challenge them because, you know, let's face it, you know, you know, bigger, faster, stronger, more flexible skill work, you know, those are tough things to develop and just defining your terms within that relationship. And then the third thing you mentioned, just so critical, and you know, this um, is letting the parents know, you know, this is what we're doing. This is what our coaches do. Our coaches are, helping your child get better. And part of that process is failing and coming back from failure. And so many parents, they want to remove that uh, failure option, uh, not understanding, hey, that's how you get better. Um, again, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, looking at your program, or maybe back when you were a coach, um, any uh, techniques or um, you know ways that one of your coaches or maybe you combined all those facets to uh, the outcome was the kids played better. They were tougher within that framework of the sport. Uh, any suggestions, techniques, tips that you can share before we uh, get into your toolbox? You know, as a young coach, I was probably not, I was probably falling into that uh, level of what you have to do to toughness and how bad it had to be only because that, those were my experiences. You know, I remember being in college and we wore our practice clothes home one day because it was like pouring. So we just all went back to our dorms and apartments and didn't take into account that there was somebody cleaning those. And now that person couldn't do their job. So we learned that lesson the next morning very quickly you know, and we ran 57 sprints because there were 57 items of clothing not turned in. And so when I started coaching, I was doing those things. If you're 18 minutes late, you're doing 18, you know, uh, pole to poles. And so I learned, I think, after coaching for many years that you can teach them about some of those things that are important without going to the extreme, um, you know, and really kind of almost, I wouldn't say punishing the team for individual things, but you know, making sure that whatever's happening, the whole team is affected and, and allowing those kids to understand that their decisions affect everybody in the room. 
Um, and it doesn't have to be anything monumental, uh, but it's kind of bringing that forward to the team and addressing it as a team. So I think those things are helpful and we don't always have to make them so traumatic. Uh, you know, if we bring it in the attention, sometimes it's just that being said in front of everyone is sometimes enough. Um, so, but I also think we have to be a little more gray in our coaching. I think we've moved away from that black and white. And I know in our situation, we have a very diverse community in a lot of ways. And so, you know, there are kids going through uh, things that other kids that we have know nothing about. And I think coaches need to be okay with that. And those of us that grew up in the era that we did, it was different and changing and adjusting to that is very difficult. Uh, but I think it's necessary for us to keep, continue to have those conversations and find a way to be in the gray that uh, makes it fair. It's not always going to maybe be equal for everyone's punishment, but make it fair. I think we can do that. And so I think that's a biggest challenge that the coach can put on themselves to learn each athlete and figure out a way to keep it fair. Um, those, those punishments while also kind of teaching them the, what we're trying to teach them. Yeah. Again, that's another uh, great point is you communicate to the student athletes. Okay. You know, we're on time. You know, we pick up the locker room, you know, this is how we roll rather than react to the first time somebody does something wrong. And they're going, you know, what the heck's going on? You know, you, you never told us. Um, the other, you just mentioned, uh, you know, one of my catchphrases used it in a different way. Uh, I would always tell our middle school parents uh, about playing time. And we, we told them playing time is important. Your kid is going to get a quality experience over the course of the season. Um, Playing time is never going to be equal, but it will always be fair. Uh, and I would tell our coaches, you know, for middle school, you know, we, we got two schools we want to beat. You know, we want to beat Holy Comforter. We want to beat North Florida Christian. The other schools, we're probably going to beat anyway, regardless of who you put out there. But if you only play your starters against Holy Comforter, Okay, that next game against whoever it was, make sure those other kids are starting and playing. Um, so we are keeping up with our promise that uh, it's not going to be equal, but it's going to be fair. So uh, great stuff. Uh, this has been really cool, Amy. I'm so glad that, uh, that we got connected, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always wrap up with the athletic director's toolbox. Now you certainly know your way around the world of athletics, but we're going to take our final break here from Athletic Surveys, who sponsored this segment. And when we come back, we're going to find out, find out what uh, Amy Lonegro is going to put in her new athletic director toolbox. So please stay with us. We want to say thanks to Athletic Surveys for their support of the toolbox segment on the podcast. Athletic Surveys are quick easy and an affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire program. Athletic directors already hear back from the complainers, the 2% that want to gripe about everything. Athletic surveys will connect you with the 2%, but they'll also connect you with the 98% that supports your program. And that's a tremendously valuable tool to have when you're talking to a frustrated parent or your principal, or even your school board. Go to athleticsurveys.com. They're going to create a custom survey that lets you take the pulse of your parents and your student-athletes. That's athleticsurveys.com. Let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. 
Well, it's that time of the podcast. We have been visiting today with Amy Lonegro. She is a certified athletic administrator. She's the director of athletics at Warren Township High School in Gurney, Illinois. That's a tremendous uh, background as a coach, as an AD. But right now I'm going to challenge her to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job, but I'm only going to let her put three things in the toolbox. So Amy, what three items are going to go into your new athletic director toolbox? All right. My first tool would be I created a Google folder for our coaches, and that folder allows them to go in there and find every document they could possibly need. Uh, it has all of our how-tos on how to use all of our platforms and portals has our tax exempt forms, any form they may need to run fundraisers, um, our credit card requests for anything for Warren Township that they're required to have, field trip packets. Um, so it, it's what we call it is the Bible of coaching here uh, that they can access to look through and get anything they need to make sure that they're kind of following those protocols. Uh, the second thing I would say is a uh, radio editing program. Um, we have one, uh, actually started with one last year and I moved to two this year. So we have one that stays in our stadium. Uh, it gives me an opportunity to meet with student athletes and talk, call them down and create playlists for their programs that are clean and edited. And I don't have to worry about what parents and fans are saying in the stands or those phone calls that I used to get about what words I didn't even know were in songs. Uh, so that's been a huge asset to our main gym and uh, stadium facilities. And then I would say the third thing that I loved that I did for myself uh, was creating templates in my email for the questions that are constantly asked. And instead of building an email for every separate parent or community member that asks those questions, uh, I created probably a good eight templates of various topics that I could just fire out so I'm not spending and wasting time on and responding to all those individually because essentially, as you know, the answer is the same uh, for that question. So it's easier just to have that template created and I can pump through those emails pretty quickly um, and give them the, the response that they need a little bit quicker than kind of taking the time to write those all out separately. So I would say those would be my top three things. Well, I love them all. Uh, the the Google Forms, the templates. It's it's all about standardization, so you're not having to you know reinvent the wheel each time you do something. And the radio, um, you know, the way that you uh, you know check for the songs. Um, how frequently do you hear this? Um, kid comes to you with a tape or whatever it is. It's not a tape anymore. I just dated myself. Um, and and they say, can this be our uh, our come out music or warm up music, whatever? I would always say, uh, is it clean? And 100% of the time, oh, yeah, it, it's clean. Uh, and you know it's not, uh, at least one song. Um, how often does that happen in 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 your uh, environment there, that the kids bring you stuff that, eh, we're not going to play this? So it was happening quite a bit, which is kind of why we moved in the direction that we moved. And the funny thing is they always say, I'm using the edited, they're all the edited versions. And I... The beauty of it is I'm always looking for time savers for us so that we can spend, you know, in our athletic office so that we can spend the time on the necessary items uh, and not so much items like a CD or something they're submitting in a playlist. But generally speaking, it would only take me about three minutes to get through their first song and it was awful. Um, and then, you know, you got to tell them you've crushed their dreams and they, they're not going to get fired up now because <laughs> the right song isn't on there. So uh, how did we ever survive without come out music? Okay. 
Yeah, so this, this program is, is fantastic because when they type in that song that they can't even splice because it's so bad, it just right out comes out and tells them. So it's fantastic. Yeah, and, and again, the whole idea of the, the edited or the clean, if it's just blank, I mean, everybody still knows what word is supposed to be in there. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's almost worse. I think it draws people's attention to it. So, yeah, great stuff. Amy, we should have done this much earlier. So shame on me. If one of our listeners wants to reach out and pick your brain a little bit, find out how you do things uh, at your school and listeners, I think you got a great resource here. What's the best way they can get a hold of you? Uh, I'm an email kind of girl. So I would say uh, I would use a Lonegro at WTHS.net. So A-L-O-N-I-G-R-O at WTHS.net. And for our NIAAA members, uh, Amy's information is up to date on the NIAAA portal. Amy, thanks again for spending time with us. Uh, Again, I know it's the start of the school year, tremendously busy, but uh, appreciate you sharing all the best uh, with the rest of the fall. And we will definitely see you uh, in Orlando uh, at the NADC conference. Looking forward to it, Jake. Thank you for everything. Oh, you bet. For listeners, uh, we appreciate you listening, um, and we upload the Zoom recordings of these interviews to the Educational 80 Podcast YouTube channel. Thanks again for tuning in. Come back next time for another great interview and just about every day for new content on the Educational 80 Podcast. We'll see you next time.